John chapter 5. Yeshua's astounding claims about himself. The healing of the disabled man on the Sabbath and the response of the leaders prepares us for the astounding, astonishing claims that Yeshua made about himself in his defense. Yeshua was being attacked by the leaders. Oftentimes when someone is being attacked, they will start apologizing, backing down. Not Yeshua. He didn't back down. In fact, he doubled down. In fact, here I think he might have tripled down. He didn't apologize for anything he had said or done. Instead, he made amazing, astounding claims about himself. Many people over the years have made claims about themselves. I understand the truth better than anyone else. I have secret, hidden knowledge. I'm a messenger of God. I'm a prophet of God. I'm the Messiah. What makes Yeshua's claims so very special is that they are true. And they give us some of the very clearest understanding about who Yeshua is. This section is very rich, very deep waters, uh, very important knowledge about God. Verse 16, so the Jewish leaders began persecuting Yeshua, harassing Yeshua for breaking the Sabbath rules, at least their understanding of the Sabbath rules. But Yeshua replied, and here's his defense, my father is always working, and so am I. My father's always working, and so am I. So the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him. They did not like that statement. For he not only broke the Sabbath in their understanding, he called God his father, thereby making himself equal with God, making himself equal with God the Father. Rabbi Jerry, does God work on the Sabbath? We're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. It's a day of rest. Does God work on the Sabbath? And what would happen if God didn't work on the Sabbath? Is God the Father guilty of violating the law against working on the Sabbath? Well, obviously God does work on the Sabbath. Uh, if he did not work on the Sabbath, the entire universe as we know it, our planet, our very atoms would fall apart. God knits all things together. He orchestrates the entire universe. If he was not in control and working, this all would cease to be. So it's a very good thing that God does not take a day of the week off. Um, 
Is he in violation of the Sabbath rules? Obviously, he is not. God created the Sabbath for his creation. He is the creator, so he is not subject to the same rules he puts in place for us. That's part of the whole difference between us being people and God being God. And so if he isn't subject to the laws as he gave them in the Torah, he certainly isn't subject to a human rabbinic interpretation of those very same laws. And Yeshua is saying the same thing about himself. Just as his father is active and working on the Sabbath, uh, overseeing the universe, keeping the universe in existence, so the Son of God has the right to be active on the Sabbath. So, John informed us that Yeshua claimed to be equal to God and that the leaders understood that he was claiming to be equal to God. But instead of believing him, they rejected this astounding claim and wanted to kill him even more. Rabbi Jerry, any thoughts? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, the rabbis would have had every right to kill Messiah Yeshua if he was blaspheming about being God. That's an, an incredible claim to make. It's an astonishing claim to make. However, he really is God. And what we see in these verses and what follows is an extensive and extraordinary defense of the claims he makes about himself. He, he goes into more detail. But even if they didn't have all this detail, they've already seen his miracles at work, right? This is all coming on the back of, of this man being healed on the Sabbath. So we've already seen Messiah Yeshua do extraordinary things that in, in quantities that the prophets of old haven't even done. So their immediate reaction to want to kill that, him really isn't the appropriate reaction to have. And so we're going to see over and over again his defense for himself and explaining why he really is above all these things. The Jewish leaders did not have the right to sit in judgment on Yeshua. He was above them. He's claiming to be equal to God. He's claiming to be greater than the Sabbath. I am above you for these reasons. Let's continue. More astounding claims Yeshua made about himself. Verse 19. So Yeshua explained, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he is doing. In fact, the father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Then you will truly be astonished. The Son of God is informing us about the way he lived, the way he conducted his life and ministry. 
He did not operate on his own. He did not operate by himself. He operated by first seeing what God the Father was doing and then doing what he was seeing, what God had revealed to him. So this is the way it worked for Yeshua. The Father showed, the Father made his will known to Yeshua, the Father spoke the word, the Father gave the command, and Yeshua saw, Yeshua heard, Yeshua understood, and then Yeshua executed what he saw, heard, understood. Any thoughts? It's, you know, there's, there's a, you know, we, we talk about this idea of the triunity of God, the Trinity. And one of the most important concepts as we're seeing illustrated here, like this isn't just something that's been made up by theologians. It's us taking what God has disclosed about himself and putting it in words that hopefully we can understand. We see there's a priority in the triunity of God. God the Son executes perfectly the will of God the Father. But notice it's God the Father and God the Son, and elsewhere in Scripture we see God the Holy Spirit interacting as well. It's, a, it's sort of a closed loop. It's God in and among himself, right? It isn't the rabbis are a part of this or we're a part of this. God is working through Messiah Yeshua as we see through love. And so it's this idea of priority and that God perfectly executes his will. Because God the Father loves his Son, he revealed to his Son, he showed his Son everything he was doing. He held nothing back from his Son. Full disclosure to his Son, because there is love and trust, perfect love and trust between the Father and the Son. So because God the Father showed Yeshua everything he was doing, Yeshua was able to do everything that God the Father wanted him to do. Rabbi Jerry, talk about the love the Father has for the Son and how he trusts the Son so completely and therefore is able to reveal everything to the Son who then perfectly carries out the will of the Father. Well, we see that God is motivated by love, which we've seen elsewhere in John's gospel and elsewhere in God's word. But the idea here is that God, God the Father reveals to God the Son, and in a sense, God the Son reveals to us not only God's plan in a partial way, but who God is, right? Because he is God. You know, in Messiah Yeshua, we see clearly the nature of God, who God is, what God cares about. Now, obviously, in the rest of Scripture, we've, we've been taught these things in the Torah, God's loving kindness, his justice, his mercy, but we see these things expressed in a way that we can understand in the life of Messiah Yeshua, his concern for those in need, his desire to rebuke leaders who are incorrect, his compassion, his sternness, you know, the miracles, the power of God, all these things are revealed to us through Messiah Yeshua, who in turn has been revealed everything by God the Father. So there's this unveiling. You know, we're, we're just finishing up Revelation. 
This is a, a big theme in that book as well, that God is unveiling to us in a partial way, not completely because we are human beings, but in a partial way, who he is and what he is doing and what he wants from us. The Son of God is revealing this very special relationship between him and his Father. Within the Trinity, in this relationship between Father and Son, there is great love and trust between the Father and the Son. The Father loves the Son. He trusts him completely. He reveals everything to the Son. We rarely reveal everything to other people. We always hold things back. Uh, we don't trust them. That is not the way that the relationship of God the Father and God the Son operate. Perfect love, perfect trust, perfect disclosure, then perfect obedience and execution on the part of the Son. Yeshua is teaching us deep things about his relationship with his Father. The Father revealed to Yeshua about the healing of the man by the pool, and Yeshua, with the power of God, healed that man. While that was impressive, Yeshua knew that the Father would reveal even greater miracles than this, that Yeshua would do that would be even more astonishing. Rabbi Jerry, what are some of these greater works, greater miracles? Well, obviously his own death and resurrection, but as we go through John's gospel, we're going to see him literally raise the dead uh, of Lazarus, right? Eventually we'll see that miracle. He'll be healing so many more people, feeding many people, performing miracles that no prophet, even Moses, had ever performed. Amazing things. You know, there's this, it's the saying, the best is yet to come, right? Yeshua is promising. Again, these are extraordinary claims. He is claiming once again to be God, that he is above them for this reason. And he's saying, if you don't believe me, you don't need to kill me. Wait and see if I perform what I'm saying I'm going to do. Because that's another sign of truth, is if Yeshua promises these greater miracles and did not do them, that would make him a liar, which would mean not only is he not God, but he's not a true prophet of God, at the very least. But clearly, he does perform these miracles, and it's another sign for them to understand that he truly is who he's saying he is, and that he is truly above them and their rabbinic disputes. So Yeshua is informing them that he's going to do even greater miracles than the ones he's done so far, including his resurrection from the dead. And then Yeshua is also going to make astounding claims about uh, greater things that he is going to do, like raising the rest of us from the dead and being the judge of humanity on the last day. Yeshua was continually in sync with God, in tune with God, united with God. He was walking in the Spirit, living in the Spirit, so close to God, constantly, all the time. Before Yeshua did or said anything, he already knew what God wanted him to say or do in that situation. That's how he lived. 
moment by moment. Rabbi Jerry, what's the lesson for us? Well, I think the lesson for us is, you know, as human beings, we can be motivated by many things. In this, in this encounter here in John that we've been reading about, we see a man who was healed who was motivated by maybe fear of the Jewish elite. We see the Jewish leaders are motivated by anger towards Messiah Yeshua wanting to kill him. We have to ask ourselves, what is our motivation? Who are we seeking after? Now, Yeshua's motivation, as Rabbi Lauren just said, is very clear. He was seeking after his father's will. He was in tune to what does God want me to do, God the Father want me to do in this situation. And if that's what Messiah Yeshua is asking and thinking about, that means that's something we need to be asking and thinking about. Now, we don't have the benefit of literally being God. Messiah Yeshua knew God's will perfectly at all times. God the Father, all things revealed him. So it's a little bit more difficult for us. But that being said, we need to consult prayer and having good brothers and sisters, and of course, most importantly, God's word to figure out, are we focused on the things that he cares about or the things that the world or we care about? And most of the time, in most situations, we know what we ought to be doing. We just either choose not to do it or ignore what we ought to be doing. You know, as human beings, most of the time as believers, especially if we have the Holy Spirit, we know in like 99% of situations how we ought to handle ourselves. Yeshua walked in the Spirit, lived in the Spirit, you know, was so close to God, so in touch with God that he knew the right thing to say or do. That is our challenge, to be filled with the Spirit, to be living in the Spirit. If we are, we'll have the wisdom and the power to say the right things, to do the right things. This is the way we are to live, not just for Yeshua. And we can live in the Spirit. We can walk by the Spirit. We can be filled with the Spirit. We can be so close to God that we just know the right thing to do or say. More astounding claims Yeshua made about himself, verse 21, for just as the Father gives life to those he raises from the dead, so the Son gives life to anyone he wants. Wow. God the Father gives life to the dead. Techiat hametim, the resurrection of the dead. Yeshua claims that he will give life to the dead. What a claim. Rabbi Jerry. Again, this is another claim to being God. You know, I don't know about you, but I can't give life to the dead. These Jewish leaders can't give life to the dead. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say that you probably cannot give life to the dead. But Messiah Yeshua can. He shares in the title, there's a title in, in Judaism for, for God, he's the giver of life. Right? This is one of God's many titles. He's the giver of life. Okay. Not only does God give us life physically, we're sustained, as we talked about a little earlier, by God now. Not only will he give us eternal life in the world to come, but spiritually he brings us back from the dead when we become believers in him, okay? This world is, as Rabbi Lauren likes to talk about all the time, is dead and dying. 
right? It's a dark, sinful world. We need God to be that giver of life in our lives. So the healing, though, going back to John, the healing of the man at the pool is a mini display of Messiah Yeshua's power to resurrect, right? This man was lame. He was laying down. Messiah Yeshua tells him to get up and walk. He gives him newness of life physically. And soon we will see a literal resurrection, a literal giving of life with Lazarus. Later, Messiah, and even that points us to a greater fulfillment when Messiah Yeshua is raised, and then even further down the road, as Rabbi Lauren alluded to, the dead will be raised eternally. So if Messiah Yeshua has the power to resurrect people from the dead, then clearly he has the authority to heal anyone he wants on the Sabbath. Once again, he's telling these leaders, I'm above you for this reason. This reason is... I can bring people back from the dead. You don't need to tell me about who or when I heal people on the Sabbath, unless you could do that also. That's the implication here, the challenge, the defense of his authority over them. The son gives life to anyone he wants. Well, this is a very powerful statement about Yeshua's sovereignty, that he is involved in the choosing of those who will receive life, eternal life. That's powerful, because only God is the one who chooses those who receive life. And Yeshua claims to have that same ability. The Son gives life to anyone he wants. Yeshua is so far above these Jewish leaders and who he is and what he is able to do, they should not be judging him. He is the one who will be judging them. Verse 22, speaking of judgment, Yeshua said this, in addition, the Father judges no one. Interesting. The Father judge God the Father will judge no one. Instead, He has given the Son absolute authority to judge so that everyone will honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Wow. Anyone who does not honor the Son is certainly not honoring the Father who sent him. Everyone knows, who is familiar with the Torah, that God is the great judge, God the Father. Abraham said to the Lord, won't the judge of all the earth do what is right? God is the judge of all the earth, every man, every woman, every human being. Judges are to be honored. Judges are to be respected. Yeshua is claiming to be the greatest judge of all, the ultimate judge. And in fact, God the Father has given ultimate authority to God the Son to be the final judge of all humanity. Rabbi Jerry, thoughts? 
Well, we read earlier in John that Yeshua did not come to condemn, but he has the authority, here we read, to judge. And you got to imagine, you know, imagine you're the Jewish leaders hearing him say this, these astonishing claims, right? You're in shock, you're in shock. But now, in these verses, the tables sort of turn. Yeshua moves really from the defense, in some ways, to the offense. In other words, he's saying, you know, they're judging him, right? They're judging him and keeping the Sabbath and trying to pronounce a judgment of death upon him. And he says, who do you think you are to judge me? God, you know, they, God the Father has given me absolute authority to judge. That's an astounding claim. And it's the highest claim you can make in terms of being able to judge. You know, these Jewish leaders, or may have been members of the Sanhedrin here, right? The Sanhedrin, according to tradition, traces their lineage all the way back to the 70 judges that Moses appointed to administrate our people, right? Moses appointed judges, and they trace their lineage back to that. It's a powerful lineage. However, Messiah Yeshua's authority comes from God the Father himself. He is of a higher court than they are. And he has been granted complete authority. Thus again, he is above them for this reason. And here we have this powerful statement about honor. These leaders would have claimed, and many today will claim, that they honor God. Do it, you know, these leaders say, oh, of course I honor God the Father. And many people today would say, well, do you believe in God? Yeah, I believe in God. You know, do you pray to God? Yeah, I kind of pray to God in my own way, you know, the way that God leads me in my own, you know, new age kind of, you know, lackadaisical way. Well, what do you think about Yeshua? Well, you know, I don't really deal with that. You know, I prefer, you know, uh, the trees or my own self or all this stuff. You can't claim to honor the creator of the universe if you're not honoring the Son. So not only are Messiah Yeshua equal in substance, equal in being God, but it's a package deal. You can't just say, well, I might believe in the Trinity, but I only want to focus on one part of it, God the Son or God the Father. No, it's the whole complete picture. God the Father has given the Son absolute authority to judge every man, every woman who has ever lived. On the day of judgment, we will be appearing before the Son of God, Yeshua the Messiah, who will be greatly honored, greatly respected. God the Father wants God the Son to be honored and respected. That's one of the reasons why he has appointed the Son to be the final judge of all humanity. So that's what Yeshua is teaching us, so that everyone will honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Not less honor than the Father, but just as they honor the Father. That is very high honor, right? The way you honor God the Father is the way God the Father wants you to honor his Son. And then Yeshua goes to the negative. Anyone who does not honor the Son, like the flip side, is not honoring the Father who sent him. God the Father loves his Son. God the Father trusts his Son. God the Father sent his Son. God the Father wants his Son to be honored. The Son perfectly executes the will 
uh, of God the Father. To honor the Father, you must honor the Son that he has sent. I have a son, Ari. If someone treats my son unfairly, if someone goes out of his way to dishonor my son, it impacts me. God the Father and God the Son work the same way. God the Father loves, trusts, honors the Son who perfectly executes his will, his command. To dishonor the Son is to dishonor the Father. So what does it say about the monotheistic religions, the one God religions of Judaism, Islam, who claim to love God, honor God, but absolutely reject Yeshua as the Son of God and dishonor him. Well, I, I think the, you know, and you know, we you know we were talking about this a little bit. You know, in, especially in Judaism, rabbinic Judaism. You know, the arcs are beautiful. The cantors sing amazing. You know, if you've been to a beautiful uh, rabbinic service, it can be very moving and, and beautiful. The the temples, the synagogues. Yet all these things, as as beautiful as they are, as sincere as the expressions um, in these services are, without Yeshua, it is in many ways empty. You know, again, it's. It, we have to really emphasize this point. It makes, sometimes makes people uncomfortable, but it's what Messiah Yeshua himself is saying. And let me tell you, it made his original audience uncomfortable, which is it doesn't matter how many sacrifices you offer. It doesn't matter how learned you are in Torah, how well you try to keep the mitzvot. If you reject the Son of God, you are rejecting God the Father. In the same way, just as, you know, I'm sure, Rabbi Lauren, you would agree with this statement, if someone mistreats Ari but then tries to be really nice to you while still being disrespectful to your son, that isn't going to go a long way with you to make you feel better about them. Now you start off by treating my son right and apologizing. And then everything else will fall into place. You know, again, Messiah Yeshua is claiming to be God, the center of true worship, right? That he deserves to be honored in this way. To ignore him is to remove a foundation, the foundation of everything that we truly believe. And so just claiming him to be a prophet or a rabbi or a good guy is not enough. It's just not. Verse 24. Another astounding claim. I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me, have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. And humanity is in a state of death. Those who listen to my message... Rabbi Dre, what's the message we must listen to? And what does it mean to listen? Well, the message is that Messiah Yeshua is God. He is the promised Messiah. And we need to pay careful attention to everything that he is teaching us. 
from our perspective, has taught us. But from the perspective as an original audience, those listening to these words, that he is teaching them right then and now. And listening is more than just listening to something and going about your day. You know, sometimes we can listen to a discussion or sermon, but our minds might be thinking about lunch or a football game or a video game or a problem going on in our lives, right? We're listening, we're hearing, but we're not really taking it in. The type of listening being described here is what we see elsewhere in God's word, particularly in the Torah, a listening that involves obedience, you know, listening and then responding by doing the things that we are being told to do. In this case, believing his message and believing in the God who sent Messiah Yeshua. In other words, believing in God the Son and God the Father. And if we do these things, we will have eternal life. This is a, I think Rabbi Lerner used the term, uh, it's like a, a proto-theology or the genesis of our, our theology here that we're seeing developed throughout the New Testament, the Brich Hadashah, right? Rabbi Paul and Peter and all the amazing apostles will build on the teachings of Yeshua. But they're building on a foundation that he has laid here in these verses, especially that we need to obey and listen to his message and we need to believe in the God the Father who sent him. Listening is more than just casual hearing. It is taking it to heart. Shema Yisrael. Listen, O Israel. Hear, O Israel. You listen, you hear, you take it into your heart, you put it into practice from that moment forward. That is listening. That is hearing. Those who listen to my message, not in a shallow, casual way, but in a deep, profound, serious way, take it into their heart, live according to it, act on it for the rest of their lives, will have eternal life. Those who listen to my message. Much of the message that Messiah gave was not just teachings about this and that. I mean, he did give teachings about this and that. The essence of his message was his teaching about himself, right? All these amazing claims that he is making about himself right here, that is his message. I am the Messiah. I am the Son of God. I'm the final judge. I'm the Savior. The message about himself. So here's the formula. Those who listen to my message and believe God the Father sent me equals eternal life. It's pretty simple, isn't it? You have to believe that God the Father sent Messiah, Yeshua, the Son. You have to believe that Yeshua is the Messiah, the Son of God, um, equal to the Father in nature. And you have to internalize that and live according to that truth. If you do, you will have eternal life. If you don't, you will not experience eternal life. You will remain in the state of death that all of humanity is in. So who is greater than who? These Jewish leaders who are condemning Yeshua, 
for telling, healing this man and telling him to pick up his mat on the Sabbath? Or is Yeshua greater than them? Uh, Yeshua talks a little bit about the idea of assurance, Rabbi Jerry, eternal security. They've already passed from death into life. When we internalize this message and live according to it, we have already passed from death into life. What do you think? Well, you know, God and heaven exists outside of time. God is eternal. From an eternal perspective, those who are saved are saved. And God knows who is in his book. God knows everyone he will judge and who he will spare and who will be raised for life or for punishment. So it does seem here in this verses that if we are truly saved, if we have truly put our trust in him, we can have the assurance of eternal life that that will not be taken away from us. Now, again, these ideas, this isn't the end-all, be-all of this idea. This will be expanded on, particularly I always go to 1 John, which points out that we could delude ourselves into thinking we're saved and we're believing when we're not. And so we really need to be aware of what we are believing. There are many people today who say they believe in Messiah Yeshua that they believe in his message. And then when you ask them, well, what is his message? They give you a gospel, a good news, different from what he taught in this very chapter, right? And later on, we will see in the, in the writings of the apostles that this was going on years after Messiah Yeshua uh, was resurrected, right? And they're teaching. There's already false teachers within years of Messiah Yeshua being raised up to heaven after his resurrection, who say that they follow him but don't. So we need to be sure that we are listening and obeying to his message and not a message of our own creation. But if we are, we can be assured that God will preserve us because we have already passed from death into life. The God who judges is also the one who grants us eternal life. He is, again, that giver of life. Giver of life. We are not. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life right now. They have already passed from death into life. So those of us who have listened to Yeshua's message and really believe it and have internalized it and are living according to it, we have eternal life. We have already passed from death into life. Should make you feel good, safe, secure, hopeful, joyful. Verse 25, another astounding claim Yeshua made about himself. And I assure you that the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now. When the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God, and those who listen will live. What does that mean, Rabbi Jerry? Well, it means from the perspective, again, of heaven, that this time has already happened. You know, the time is coming, but indeed it's here now. And so what he means by that is even now, though, 
in his work here on earth at this time, the dead will hear his voice and be raised. Well, we will see in a few chapters with a loud voice, Lazarus will be resurrected. So this will be, in a sense, literally fulfilled very soon with this promised greater miracle that Messiah Yeshua alluded to earlier. But with Messiah Yeshua's second uh, coming will come an even greater resurrection. The idea of God's voice giving life, telling us to be risen from the dead. When God speaks, creation acts, right? We see this in Genesis. God speaks light into being and light exists. When Messiah Yeshua says to Lazarus, get up, Lazarus doesn't need to tell, say 10 more minutes, Messiah, before I get up or wait a day or a little while. No, when Messiah Yeshua says to him to get up, he listens, he obeys, and he lives. If we want to experience life, we have to listen to the voice of God. When Messiah Yeshua tells us to get up, to live, to be redeemed, to hear and to obey, we have to listen as well. If we refuse to, we will not experience life. We can't dictate the terms of our salvation because we are not God and God is above us for these reasons. Just as the leaders are not above him, we are not either. We don't get to tell God how he will perform his miracles, who he will save, and how he will save us. He is God and we're not. There will be a day of resurrection when the dead will come back to life. And the way that's going to happen is a voice will say, come forth, rise, come up. And guess whose voice that will be? Yeshua's voice. He is the one that will call to the dead to rise from the dead. Wow. Don't you want to be on the good side of the one who has that power and authority to raise the dead on the day of resurrection? And then he says that that time is coming, but it's already here right now. He was alive, the Son of God. He was speaking words of truth. Those who believed his message, they were rising from the dead. The spiritually dead were coming to life as they heard the message that Yeshua was giving, and they believed in him. And those who listened lived. So Yeshua, his voice, will call the dead on the day of resurrection, but just as he was calling to people when he was alive, I, you know, I want you to live, listen to me, become loyal to me. He did it when he was alive on earth, and he's still calling to humanity today. His voice is still calling out to individuals, believe in me, trust me, know me, become loyal to me, follow me. He's still speaking. Those who hear his voice and listen will live. They will become spiritually alive, transformed, get a new nature, 
have the Spirit of God living in them. They'll die, he'll raise them back to life, and they will live forever with him. Are we hearing the voice of the Son of God today? How do we hear and listen to Yeshua's voice today? Rabbi Jerry? I was talking to a family member about this very concept this week. Um, Jewish family member, not a believer, been going to lots of different churches, you know, hearing all sorts of voices, teach this and that. And I said to them, have you ever read what God says about himself, though, in the New Testament? You know, they talked about how much they read and stuff. They got very quiet and a little shy. They said, no, I really have. I said, I really encourage you to read the Gospel of John. I said, we're going through it here, actually, at Congregation Shema Israel. Um, you should really read it for yourself and hear what Yeshua has to say about himself, right? And that's the lesson for us as well. How do we hear and listen to him today? Through his word, through the words written here and elsewhere. All of God's word, right, is inspired by Messiah Yeshua, by God, right? So this is the source of truth for us, primary source, and really the only source of truth. It's our job. We have the privilege of interpreting and expounding and giving application. But you shouldn't just believe what me and Rabbi Lauren say or Rabbi Glenn or anybody else just because they're Jewish or in a pulpit. You need to know God's word for yourself and be able to fact check what we say against it. You should be familiar with these words because they're the words that give life. God speaks to us today through his word. The Bible is divinely inspired. It is powerful. It is sharp. It is alive. It is cutting. It is transformative. When you start really interacting with the word of God, the Bible, God is able to start reaching you at a very deep level through his word and through his spirit. And it helps to have God-ordained teachers, you know, or, or someone who really knows God and the Word of people who really know God and the Word of God and are qualified to teach it, uh, know what they're talking about. That is how God speaks to us today, through his Word and through his Word coming through people who know his Word. Thank you, Rabbi Jerry. We will continue, Lord willing, next week. Thank you.